on everybody zach back here with another episode of clutch crew sports and on today's episode we're joined by a special guest he's going to be here to discuss the philadelphia eagles and the rest of the nfc east division so i hope you guys enjoy that now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew what's going on y'all this is eric here your ranting co-host zach and i definitely have a big rant to talk about here if you're a Jaguars fan, you definitely know what we're going to talk about, uh, but I'm going to let Zach handle that because if I do it, I'll probably talk for a half hour. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to let Zach take the reins on this. But um, <laughs> but good to be here, ready to talk some NFC East. Glad to have another guest on, and uh, I will let him introduce himself to the show. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Sean Morgan. I am the co-host of Brody Sports Talk, a all-round general sportscast, and the co-host of Gunners and Blues, which is a soccer-focused podcast uh, around Arsenal and Chelsea. Uh, and I am also a diehard and longtime Philadelphia Eagles fan. Very cool, man. I know to our listeners, we've referred Brody Sports Talk in the past because you and Caleb, who was on our show like a month or so ago, do a great job on that podcast talking all kinds of sports. Uh, can you give our viewers a little bit of an insight onto what might be coming up next for next week's show or what you've got planned for the NFL season? Actually, yeah. So one of the things that I will be working on later on tonight, mm -hmm. uh, we are predicting the NFL awards. So who will win Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year, who will be the MVP, some of the you know rookie Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. So myself and Travis will be making our picks. Travis is one of the other co-hosts as to who we think is going to snag, snag an award, who's not. Uh, we're going to probably talk a little bit of tennis um, in our This Day in Sports segment. Uh, we actually may give, uh, give your football team a little bit of, little bit of love uh, in, our, <laughs> in our headliner <laughs> segment, as it's probably the biggest story right now in the NFL. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested for your guys' take and... Uh, Maybe I'll maybe I'll share some of that with uh, with our listeners as well. All right, that's cool. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the NFC East and really more specifically the Eagles on this episode. But uh, this was unplanned until this morning when Leonard Fournette was released from the team. Just spontaneously happened. I just woke up, turned on the lo the local media radio for Jacksonville. And I hear them talking about Leonard Fournette being released. And I'm like, what? Is this a dream? I, I honestly thought it was a joke because they, they've they said some jokes in the past. Um, like, But then the more I kept listening, the more I realized it was real. And I realized I wasn't dreaming. But to me, this just completely shocked me because I didn't... I was actually probably one of the few, probably everybody else thought that we were tanking from the start, but I felt, you know what, all the moves that we've made in the offseason, they were really just financial moves because we had so many huge salaries on the team. We just had to dump a lot of salary, and yeah, we're going to be bad, but we're going to have a lot of draft picks and stuff, but when they just straight up released Leonard Fournette, that was like, that was the, that was just the, the, the walls just flew off. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it, but I just think that this is such a bad move. Um, 
And the thing that upsets me the most about this is the blatant lies going on. And it's really, in my opinion, on Caldwell, the GM, more than the coach. I think the coach is just having a lie. I don't think it's his choice to get rid of Fournette. But I think there's a conspiracy going on with the owner trying to either save $4 million or just trying to get the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Man, I'm I'm just sick of this. I, I'm sick of losing, obviously. I'm sick of us, what it seems like trying to lose. You know, I want Minshew to have a fair opportunity this season. Getting rid of the running back who rushed for the sixth most yards this season doesn't really do that. Um, just the lies, though, because the team was staying around the trade deadline. Oh, we're not trying to trade Leonard Fournette. And then today they were like, Oh, we've been trying to trade him since the trade since the NFL draft, and I'm like, you said at the NFL draft, you those were false, those rumors, and then today they're like, oh, he doesn't fit our scheme. I'm like, what scheme do you guys have? You averaged 16 points a game last year, like he was your best offensive player. <laughs> just, just a clown show going on. I was texting people saying this front office is just clowns disguised as football people um you're so you're really telling me that our third running back now james robinson who sounds like a president from the 1800s that's what that name sounds like (laughs) that he's gonna be he's better than leonard fournette you're telling me james robinson or divino zigbo who had 20 yards last year woo 20 yards i'm just i'm just tired of this just God, this season cannot end. Can we just go? Can we just fast forward this year, man? Like, Eric, I'll let you take it over because I can don't be, even know. Can what it I'm be 2021 about. yet? Can it be 2021 <laughs> yet? <laughs> Eric, Eric, what did you think of the trade? Or not trade, which should have been trade, but released. Well, I thought it was dumb, and uh, this is this is, I guess, what just makes no sense to me. Like they. Like Zach said, they were saying in the media that they were trying to trade him and trying to trade him, and then they, you know, they couldn't get any compensation for him, so they're just they just had to cut him, and you know he doesn't fit the scheme, even though he can catch passes out of the backfield and he's a good you know pass protector. You know he's maybe not the fastest running back, but he's a good north south runner. Like he can do pretty much anything you need a running back to do. So. I just think it's dumb that they got rid of him. But what blows my mind with that lie is that during the Dave Caldwell uh, GM regime era, whatever you want to call it, we've managed to get a six-round draft pick for Blaine Gabbert. We managed to get a six-round pick for Josh Scobie, who was a great kicker at the time, but he uh, was a kicker. You almost never see a kicker getting traded for anything. So we traded, we got two six-round picks for Blaine Gabbert and a kicker, and we got a fourth-round pick this last year for Nick Foles, who we owed like twenty-something million dollars to, and we still got a fourth-round pick for him. So you're telling me that we couldn't get anything for the six-leading rusher in yards last year, who's really young and is only owed four million dollars? I I don't believe that at all. I. I just don't believe that. I'm sure within a couple of days, he's going to get picked up by another team. There's no way we couldn't have got something out of it if if we were going to get rid of him. I 
I just think this whole thing is dumb and I don't get it. And it sucks too, because somehow people in the media too are like convinced that what they're saying is true. Like I've seen some people, like I've seen most people bashing it, but I do see some people like, Oh, well, yeah, they bring up a great point. You know, Leonard Fournette doesn't really fit the style of this team or, uh, you know, running backs aren't the greatest position. So it's kind of hard to get trade value for a running back. Um, I don't know, dude. It's just stupid. I know this is an NFC ESOC episode, so I'm gonna let us you know transition into that. But yeah. I'm with Zach. Zach and I don't always agree on everything with Jags moves, but we're definitely in 100% agreement here for sure. So dumb. Yep, and I have currently no Jags jerseys of current players too. Now with that. Um... <laughs> Getting the, I always say getting the Jags jersey is one of the worst investments you can ever make because either they're going to suck or they're going to be good and leave in a couple of years. So, all right. Sorry, Sean. We no, got a rant out of the you way. Guys are, <laughs> you guys are absolutely good. I, it, is, it is very unfortunate that, yeah. that this happened. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Have, uh, Sean, have your Eagles made any questionable moves like this recently? <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't just straight up dropped arguably our most talented offensive player uh smart so, That's so yeah smart. i'm <laughs> maybe just a leg ahead so. <laughs> all right so that's gonna wrap it up for the leonard fournette talk let's get into the eagles talk with sean so my first question sean is just how did you become an eagles fan when did it start for you tell us the story of becoming an eagles fan so I wasn't always an Eagles fan, and I will, with the utmost, utmost confidence, say that I am the only Eagles fan in my family. So this was, I was probably eight or nine years old. There was a Cowboys-Eagles game on TV. I think this was probably like 95. And at the time, I didn't really follow football. I just, you know, thought it was fun to play with my friends. Emily were all Cowboys fans. Because that's what you did in the 90s, right? If you were wanted to hop on the bandwagon, you were a Cowboys fan. The Cowboys were in white, Eagles were in green, and I was confused. I was very confused because everybody was cheering for the white team when I thought the green team had way cooler uniforms. The Cowboys ended up winning the game, but I was cheering for the Eagles the whole time. And then, like, pretty much the entire game and after, my family kept poking fun at me. So I decided, you know what? The green team is going to be my team going forward and then heading into the 2000s right things started to look up uh for for the eagles and uh it suddenly became less about uh my family making fun of me and more me poking fun at them who by the way are no longer cowboys fans except for my uncle right um i'm from Knoxville, tennessee and so most of my family is also from east tennessee so pretty much when pate manning got drafted they stopped being Cowboys fans and they started being Colts fans. So, you know, thankfully, I don't have uh, I don't have. Well, I guess it's not thankfully, but I don't have too many opportunities to to banter with my family anymore on it. But, you know, it, at least it kind of showed their their true colors, so to speak. But yeah, <laughs> so I've been uh, I've been an Eagles fan ever since we've had, you know, a lot of ups and downs uh, through the 2000s. And then, you know, pretty much all the way up until uh until just recently, we you know had uh, just some middling middling seasons, and then we had uh, one really really fantastic season that I will never ever forget. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder then, which uh, one that was. <laughs> man, Definitely man, last we, season. <laughs> we were uh, we were hoping that the magic man Nick Foles would uh, would do the same for us, but that didn't turn out to be the case at all. Um, but yeah, that that Eagles season, Super Bowl season, was fun to watch. I watched them a lot. Uh, a lot of their primetime games, I watched, and yeah, they were so dominant. And I'm glad that that Wentz injury didn't derail them because I really think even if Wentz had still been healthy, that they would have been able to win the Super Bowl. Uh, just how good he was that season. But cool story, man, on the uniforms being the big driving factor. It was definitely Maybe... our year, right? I, I mean, yeah. when regards to to us staying healthy and for the most part, you know, aside from aside from the quarterback position and, you know, being able to perform consistently the entire year, we haven't really been able to do since. Mm-hmm. All right, so looking forward now to this upcoming season, tell us your expectations about your team. Uh, are you hoping for playoffs? Are you hoping for Super Bowl? Uh, do you think they miss the playoffs? Just tell us your general expectations about the team. Oh, boy, that's... Uh, I'll be honest with you guys, that changes day to day. I mean, I don't know how much uh, you've been hearing coming out of uh, the Eagles training camp, but it definitely changes day to day. I honestly feel like most Eagles fans at this point uh, are realistic about what our playoff prospects look like, and they all hinge on injuries, right? Um, Injuries on offense, injuries on defense have derailed our seasons, uh, the last couple seasons, and they've put us in this feeling of perpetually feeling like we're, we're playing as underdogs, but not the good kind of underdog, the how in the world are we lining this player up type of underdog? Um, now, thankfully, the Cowboys have been just as inconsistent of, as we've been, but for much other reasons. So if we can remain healthy in some of our key positions, I don't feel like there's a good reason why we shouldn't be challenging for the division title and looking at a relatively deep run in the playoffs, especially uh, considering the current NFC environment. I don't feel like the top tier NFC teams are really strong. But I feel like the maybe the second tier NFC teams uh, are very beatable. So depending on our momentum heading into the later part of the year, I don't feel like a deep run in the playoffs is unrealistic. That said, I do feel like we are very much a second tier team in the NFC. So I do not see us making the Super Bowl um, or even probably the, the NFC championship with this current squad. Okay. All right. Some, some realistic expectations there from Sean. Um, so my next question is going to be, who are you most excited for about on your team? And you can go offensive player and defensive player. Um, th- this can be a new player, a player maybe last year that was injured or looking for a bounce back season or someone just continually good, but who excites you the most on both sides of the ball? All right. So offensively, right, I I was pretty excited to share with you all of my thoughts about our our wide receiver pick, uh, Jalen Rager. But uh, if you followed any of the news today, he's probably going to be out for four to six weeks. He had a, a wrist injury over the over the weekend. And then it turns out there was actually more of a shoulder problem, potentially like a torn labrum. They're still waiting to get a better idea of what that's going to be. But he was going to be out, you know, for the for the first four to, to six weeks. Um, but I'm still actually excited about what he brings to the table, right? So last season, Wentz was amongst the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL on fade routes, seam routes, and broken plays. But he struggled with curls, outs, slants, posts, and go routes. 
And if you've ever watched him throw a screen, it's hideous. I think he's probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the league at screens. He kind of throws the ball really high. It's really awkward to look at. Um, but honestly, I feel like a lot of the route issues are a product of our wide receiver core being incredibly inconsistent from year to year. We don't know who he's throwing to. Are they going to be there for a couple weeks and then be gone? Uh, so with when Alshon went down, plant targeted all, and uh, Nelson Aguilar has always been awful on post routes amongst his other slew of issues. A lot of solid route running. Uh, if you watch his game tape, he's excellent on post routes, great double moves, like excellent fluidity, really great at turning his hips. I just, it's having a reliable target at wide receiver, I think, for some of these routes are going to be huge for us and, you know, be able to, to move the ball consistently without having to, to constantly target a tight end. So I still think that once he's healthy, that Regor is going to be a great like draft pick for us, a great player for us. Absolutely hate having to preface with that once he's healthy, right? I feel like that's the perpetual Eagles way of, of introducing something. Yeah, well, once he's healthy, he'll be great. <laughs> uh, it's like 2017, I, I swear, was, was an aberration. I had no idea how we remained as healthy as we did that year. Uh, we had to have like made a deal with the devil at some point to, to get that title because ever since then, <laughs> none of our players can remain on the field for more than four to six weeks. Uh, four to six weeks, it seems. So offensively, that's who I'm excited about. Um, defensively, I mean, I'll, I'll keep this short and sweet. I'm really excited to see Darius Slay in green. Uh, I mean, even on a very mediocre Lions team, he was always a consistently above average to excellent player. I'm hoping he steps up as a real leader in our defense and in our secondary. Because honestly, since Dawkins left, we've really lacked a vocal presence in our secondary. And even though generally you don't see that as much out of a out of a corner, I'm really hoping that Slay kind of fulfills that role because he really did with the Lions. He's a big time playmaker. Um, I think that his turnover numbers are going to improve with us versus the Lions. He's in the prime of his career. And I think he's probably going to be our first five plus interception corner uh, that we've had in like seven or eight years. All right. Yeah. So that's who Sean's most excited for on offense and defense. Uh, my next question that I came up with is obviously being a Tennessee fan. We're all Tennessee fans, Tennessee volunteers, that is, uh, on this podcast episode. So that's cool. Um, I remember Derek Barnett at Tennessee being a disruptive force, a sack master, all those great, great things. He was a high first round pick. Um, but in the NFL, he hasn't played up to that level that he played in college. Uh, I know that to many Eagles fans dismay they didn't win out on the Yannick Ngakwe sweepstakes I'm not sure if you were wanting him or not in the trade talks but uh Derek Barnett's still a member of this team he's still in the defensive line how much of a contributor will he be and just talk to me about his evolution sure um and just as a preface I I didn't really consider us to be serious contenders for Yannick (laughs) um yeah I but you know of course it's always you know disappointing when you can't land a a high caliber Mm -hmm. player um, but as far as Derek Barnett goes, this is 100% a do-or-die season for him. Um, as a ball for life, I 100% want to see him succeed at the next level, no matter the team he's on, to a certain extent. Uh, and then him getting drafted and playing for us was a very special moment for me uh, a couple years ago. And then, of course, the fumble recovery during the Super Bowl. Quintessential football memory that I will never, ever forget. But I honestly think the Eagles coaching staff have put a lot of faith in him. 
Uh, we exercise his fifth-year option on his contract. We have like talented players around him, uh, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, Graham, Hargrave. Uh, they can alleviate some of the pressure. And honestly, right, I think a lot of the flack that he he's gotten, especially for last year, uh, has to do with a I don't want to say unrealistic expectation, but an extraordinarily high expectation based on where he's drafted. Eagles fans, and I think football fans in general, really put a lot of pressure on these first round players to be like the, like, you know, tier zero. Mm -hmm. You need to be well above and beyond everybody else on that field. And that doesn't always happen. Um, he, he wasn't exactly a slouch last year. He had six and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, uh, 22 quarterback hits. He had the two forced fumbles, and he's only 24 years old, right? He's only 24. He's had the time to adjust the speed and strength that defensive ends really need to succeed in the NFL. And there's always, I think, depending on your your frame, right, some, some athletic ability that you're going to naturally have, but there's going to need to be some changes that you need to make going into the NFL that you simply couldn't make while you were in college. And Bennett reminds me a lot of a lot of Graham, honestly, who had a lot of very similar struggles out of the gate uh, coming in the NFL. He's been a solid player for us and sometimes a spectacular player, but he's never been a world beater. So I don't know if Derek Barnett will ever be a world beater. I think that he's going to be a significant contributor to the season. And I I am expecting numbers similar to last year, if not better. I don't think he's going to regress. Okay, that's good good news. And I guess a follow up there too, were a lot of fans like expecting Reggie White, you know, with the Tennessee background and being a high draft pick. Like, how much of the Reggie White comparisons did you hear when he was drafted? So, and there were a decent amount, but I think that Eagles fans really fall into two camps for me. They're the ones that are very realistic about, you know, a, about our team's prospects. Mm -hmm. And then there are others who are incredibly unrealistic. Uh, kind of give Philly generally that that uh, vibe that they're a they're a terrible fan base. And unfortunately, those uh, those fans are incredibly loud. Browning out a lot of the noise that you would otherwise hear out of the Philly camp. Do think that the comparisons to Reggie White that were made, I didn't read again a, a ton of them, but they were probably unwarranted. I think that people were expecting just big numbers in general, right? I mm -hmm. think people were expecting a, a, a flashier player, right? Because I mean, you could you you nailed it. You called him a disruptor. I think people were expecting that to be a little more uh, evident in his play. weren't really prepared for the acclamation that he would need. To get mm -hmm. into the NFL. And when you have, you know, a, a rough start to your career, fans can sometimes just turn on you. You know, you're you're not good enough. And I mean, everybody's human. You can't mm -hmm. go through and expect, you know, a, a player to be a, a complete robot, especially in this day and age where social media is such a huge presence in all of these players' lives. That bad mouthing, that trash talking can sometimes wear out a psyche and that can just delay progress even more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was unfair for people to be, those Eagles fans to be comparing him to one of the greatest NFL players ever right out of the gate. You know, that's, that's totally unrealistic and just not warranted, really. But Eric, you came up with a question also. I'll let you explain that to Sean. Yeah, so it's kind of a long question. But so you, you were talking earlier about the 
injuries that the Eagles have been dealing with. And so one of the issues they've been having in terms of their injuries is along the offensive line. So they, they had the injury at right guard with Brandon Brooks getting hurt. And so they brought Jason Peters back to fill that void. But then your uh, draft pick that was supposed to start at left tackle also got injured. And so now Jason Peters wants more money in order to switch over to the left tackle. But regardless of whether he goes back to left tackle or not, you know, there is a void on the offensive line now. So I guess like the two questions I have are one, do you think the Eagles should give Jason Peters more money to transition back over to left tackle? And then two with, you know, Wentz having a bit of an injury history himself with these injuries that you're having along the offensive line right now, do you think that's going to be a problem for the Eagles this season? Right. I mean, part of me says that Peters is a legend. Future Hall of Famer deserves the praise that's been heaped upon him over his career. He gets a lot of very small, nagging injuries. Played about 75% of the snaps last year. So... It's tough. He, he honestly has us by the ball. So um, if we want to pay him some more money, then I would like to be structured with some incentives, right? Uh, maybe something in regards to snap percentage so that he's encouraged to kind of maintain his own health and not just cash in a, a you know, a last minute paycheck. But honestly, I, and, and I get that tackles tend to be paid a lot better than guards, 100% understand but what it comes down to, right? Is he signed the contract? He's on the squad. We need him in a very specific position, a specific role. And in the end, isn't that part of being on a football team? Right? Your team, right? You should expect that because you've played a position for over a decade and you know that injuries have hit us in various ways in years past, that you're very likely looking at a your backup on that spot. And he's a the other thing, too, that really actually infuriates me about this, right, is he's a veteran. He should be a locker room leader and an example for our younger players, especially some of our younger draft picks, uh, younger players that we've brought in over the last two years. And the other thing, too, is nobody wanted him at left tackle during the offseason, right? Nobody wanted him. Getting it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I guess the bottom line is, you know, if if we absolutely need to, Give him the damn money and be done with it. And, you know, let us let us worry about about something else. Uh, but if we if we don't give him the money, right, I know you said, what do, what do we do if we don't do it? If we don't give him the money, first of all, I don't know how he responds to that. Right. Uh, so how we fix the problem is going to heavily depend on how he how he responds to uh, you sign the contract, man, like play some football. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Matt Pryor. Right. Uh, he does have a lot of positional versatility, both the tackle and the guard spots. I know that Eagles fans aren't super high on him, uh, especially some of the news coming out of training camp where uh, he was he was basically uh, getting the business during uh, during some uh, during some scrims. But um, it's hard to rate a player, especially an offensive lineman, until they get some reps and a chance to really entrench themselves. So offensive line is a position that I think is not one of those that you see as like wide receiver or running back where raw athleticism and talent will sometimes take you a long way. Playing on offensive line requires being in sync with your fellow linemen, requires understanding the scheme. So I think Matt Pryor just needs a chance to shine. If we, uh, if we don't go the, the you know, paying Peters route, 
Uh, Vikings probably are going to be releasing uh, Riley Reef. So, you know, if we want to go ahead and really break the bank, because next year is going to be awful for our cap, um, you know, we can we can bring him in and see how how that works. Um, but, you know, I, I I don't know. It's it's a scary thought, right? It's a scary thought. And again, when you go back to talking about our our playoff prospects, everything changes day to day. <laughs> Yeah, I I one thousand percent agree with your analysis there. Like he signed the contract to be on the team. Like if the team tells him to play punter, like he's gonna go punt the dang ball. Like even though that's not realistic, that's what you do when you're on a team. Um, and he lost all his leverage when he signed the contract. If he hadn't signed that contract and now was knocking on door the door, I could see okay, maybe yeah, you know he would sign for a bit more money, but. The fact that he's already signed, I mean, what's he going to do? Just not play? Uh, Eric, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's definitely the type of player that would deserve more money, but he signed the contract for what it is. So I'm going to, you know, go with what Zach's told me before, but it is what it is. I mean, give him an incentive, right? Give him an incentive. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that, too. And Give him an incentive, um... If he, yeah, if he I, plays... I like that. You know, they could be like, okay, you know, if you, you know, like Sean said, play a certain percentage of the snaps, here's an extra 500K. If you make the Pro Bowl, here's 500K. Or like, you know, have different, mm-hmm. have different things in there like that to, you know, incentivize him to earn the money and not just, oh, here's $3 million more dollars. And then he goes out there and sucks. So, you know, that, that would, that would be horrible for them. So, yeah, yeah I'm in agreement with you guys on this. He needs to, you know, just do what he's signed to do and play football. So get out there, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So looking around the rest of the NFC East, I think it's definitely a division that's top heavy. And then there's some bottom feeders, but we'll go around the rest of the division for the other fans of the division. uh, What scares you the most about their teams being an Eagles fan? I'll go ahead and start at the bottom um, with the New York Giants and nothing. Literally nothing scares me about the New York Giants. Uh, Joe Judge is not going to be a good head football coach. Uh, The Giants have not really improved, I think, tremendously in the offseason. They're in 100% full rebuild mode. They just need to work on developing Daniel Jones. And I really don't think they just have the talent on the roster um, right now to make any sort of statement. Now, to be fair, I think their draft was actually decent. Um, I think Andrew Thomas was a good pickup, um, and I think Xavier McKinney is going to be a very special player. Uh, I actually would have liked to see him in green, but, you know, unfortunately, he's uh, he's on the wrong side of the tracks. Um, and I fear that they're going to go through another coaching change at the end of the year, uh, if not the some part of next year. Two or three wins is the most that I'm giving them. Uh, so if anything, I think what scares me, right, is that the Eagles always have one game during the year where we go out and we massively underperform against a team that we should readily handle. And my fear is that ends up being like the giants. So that's the only thing I guess that I could say I'm remotely scared about is that our, our garbage throwaway game is going to end up fair, (laughs) you know, against the giants. But aside from that, there is nothing that scares me at all. Uh, I guess so going to up to the uh, good old football team. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm honestly hoping Chase Young comes out and is just as mediocre as the team he plays for. Uh, but I genuinely feel that they actually have a very, very underrated defense and a great linebacker core in Ryan Kerrigan and Thomas Davis. 
Um, I feel like the switch from a 3-4 to a 4-3 is going to help Washington tremendously. And even though Jack Del Rio was not the greatest head coach by any stretch, I do feel that he's a above average defensive coordinator and Washington is going to see improvement on that side of the ball. So I think if anything, Washington comes out and has a few, I don't want to say statement games, but they come out and they surprise a few people who are expecting them to be, you know, just the same level of bottom feeders as the New York Giants and their defense comes out and, and hits hard. And even though offensively, I think they're pretty neutered right now. Defense can win some football games. So I think Washington's defense is going to win them a few football games. And uh, so that's what scares me there. Boys, right? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, right? The weapons that Dak has are definitely above average. Zeke and Cooper shown what they're capable of in the league. CD Lamb has a lot of hype coming out of OU for a good reason. Uh, the talent level discrepancy, I think, is going to create a lot of mismatches in most in a lot of their games, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm sure that during at least one of the Eagles-Cowboys games, we're going to be on the wrong end of some of those mismatches. That's, I guess, I would say what, what scares me the most about my, uh, about my division rivals. All right. So I, I think we have a general standing of where you're going to seed the teams in the division. But just go ahead and from one to four, four to one, predict the division standings for us. All right. Bottom, I have the New York Giants. Their schedule, they don't have a lot of inherently winnable games based on their talent level. Best chances against the Bears, Bengals, and Rams on the road. But the AFC North and NFC West, who we're playing against, those are stacked divisions. It's going to be a very rough road for them. I think they split the series with Washington, maybe surprise somebody. 2-14, uh, and 14, worst record in the NFC is what I'm predicting, and bottom of the NFC East. Uh, I think Washington football team ends up third, but not by a whole lot. Um, I, again, their defense is much sounder, but they are so offensively suspect. I don't think Rivera comes in and makes an immediate improvement. And they have the worst owner in American sports. And there is still a huge culture problem with the franchise that I think is going to take years to resolve. Uh, their most winnable games on the schedule, Bengals, Lions, and then hosting the Rams and Panthers. That said, 4-12, and 12, but I could see them potentially getting to 6-10 and 10 if their defense overachieves. Um, but I don't think they get more than six wins, and they're going to be third in the NFC East. Oh, here's where, uh, I don't know if this is going to be just homerism, but I have the Dallas Cowboys as the second team in the division. Uh, now, I don't think they are as good on defense as they'll need to be in order to be consistent against some of the better teams in the AFC North and NFC West this year. It's less about how they do against the NFC East and more how they do on the other games in their schedule. I think they're going to get exposed a few times on defense, and they're going to need their offense to bail them out, which, to be honest, that didn't happen uh, very often last season. Up to some of the play calling, because, you know, hey, the clapper's gone. Um, but you can attribute... A lot of it, I think, to what I feel is a very, very obvious hole in Dak's game is that he struggles to bring his team back when they're down in the fourth quarter or going into the fourth quarter. Now, you may look at some of the raw numbers and say, oh, that's not true, right? But actually, there's an excellent article on thelandryhat.com that I would encourage anybody to listen to go and check out uh, and read. That's His comeback stats are, are very misleading, right? Uh, so I see the Cowboys actually going eight and eight. <laughs> always eight and eight uh, <laughs> with some midseason struggles against like the Seahawks card Steelers and Vikings. I actually think Philly ends up splitting the series with them. Cause that's just what we've been doing uh, in the 2010s. And I think Washington or New York actually snags a game off of them. And I, I give the giants uh, the better shot at that, honestly, due to how unsound I feel the Cowboys are defensively. I think the giants are just a little bit better than Washington on offense. Um, and obviously I have the Eagles winning the division, but honestly not by a whole lot. And I, you know, I'm going to be transparent. It's a toss up. Uh, NFC East is always a toss-up. The biggest edge I'm giving to Philly here is our coaching staff. Mike McCarthy 
is not nearly as good of a football coach as people think he is, right? And I know that my Brody Sports Talk co-host Caleb can attest to how absolutely frustrating Mike McCarthy was a vast majority of the time in the 2010s. I think a lot of the hype that Dallas is getting with their coaching change is just because the clapper's gone, right? Aaron Rodgers absolutely hated McCarthy by the end of it. Long was garbage that he always made really poor personnel package selection. He basically kept the same offensive formation constantly. Doesn't matter what the situation is, you know, single down uh, or single back, you know, three wide outs, tight end. That's, that's all the personnel that he would ever send out. Right. And so he would try to force that and it would never work. Or he would try to plays that didn't work in practice. Right. And Rogers would be like, why are you calling this? You're an idiot. And it wouldn't work. But, Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic talent, a fantastic quarterback, and would bail him out more often than not. The Eagles have kept their coaching staff, their core coaching staff, in an offseason that has been arguably the most chaotic than an offseason in, I think, the history of the NFL. What I feel is the best quarterback in the division. We have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football that I think is going to bring an edge in some of these close games. So I think the inconsistency of the Cowboys the coaching staff remaining intact with the Eagles is going to give us the division. But again, not by much. Nine and seven. Ten and six if we're lucky. But the NFC East schedules are, are terrible this year. We're gonna get we're gonna get our butts kicked um a lot. Uh so I, I and again the Cowboys love to collapse late in the year. So uh you know I, I guess I guess the Eagles taking uh, taking the division. That's that's where I finish off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Uh Eric why don't you share your one to four predictions for the NFC East? See if you agree with Sean. Gotcha. Well, sh- shockingly, with uh, the Cowboys being my number two team of choice, I do disagree. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I disagree with the three and the four and the one and the two. I've I've got the Washington football team finishing last. And in case if you're watching this on YouTube and you're looking on the screen there, that W in the bottom right corner, that's not saying that the Washington football team is a W. That's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah, a, it's certainly, their, it's their boring generic logo that they have right now. So <laughs> I just thought I'd point that out, but I just, I don't trust any of the options that Washington could throw out there at quarterback. I'm assuming they're, going with Dwayne Haskins, but I don't trust anybody on that depth chart. I think they have the worst quarterback situation in the division. I I do like their defense, but I'm giving the Giants the edge over them in terms of third and fourth because I do feel like the Giants offense is better. Uh, the Giants receiving core is actually all healthy all at once. You know, they're not the most sexy names, but with Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram, I feel like their receiving core is pretty good. I feel like Saquon Barkley is going to have a bounce back year this year. And Daniel Jones actually did come on fairly strong towards the end of last season. He wasn't great overall as a rookie, but he put together a couple of solid games at the end of the year. And if he can build off of that momentum, I think the Giants will do better than Washington. But I'm in the same boat. Uh, I'm in the same boat as Sean here, though, where I don't think it's going to necessarily be a huge difference. But instead of having uh, the Giants at 2-14 and 14 and Washington at 4-12, and 12, I, uh, I think it's going to be the other way around. So we'll see what happens, though. Like Sean said, this is a total toss-up. But I'm going to give the Cowboys the edge over the Eagles, though. I'm going to put the Eagles at number two and then the Cowboys at number one. 
I really like the addition of CD Lamb in the draft for the Cowboys. When they first picked him, I didn't think it was a great move because I felt like they really needed help on defense, especially at the corner position. But given the talent that was available there, I there wasn't looking back on it, there wasn't really a great corner to be drafted at that spot. So getting CeeDee Lamb, who was arguably the best player overall, still available, I think it's going to be great for them. And between Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, and Zeke, I mean, Dak has no excuses. So, you know, if he really thinks that he has a chance to earn $40 million a year at some point, you know, this is his year that he has to prove it. I mean, he has one of the best supporting casts around him out of any quarterback in the NFL. He also still has a pretty solid O-line as well. He, he's he got no excuses. He's got to make it happen. If he can't make it with this stack team, then he's not going to make it anywhere. But I think they're going to be able to do it. I And I agree with what Sean said about Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's the greatest coach, but I do believe he is an upgrade over the Clapper. Uh, I, I, watching so many Cowboys games over the last couple of seasons, just watching him stand there and clap when bad things would happen, like the kicker would miss a field goal or uh, Dak would get Dak would throw a horrible interception or the defense would give up a big play for a touchdown and he's just standing over there clapping. I mean, I couldn't imagine actually being the Cowboys fan with them as my number one team sitting there watching that. Like it kind of reminded me of Gus Bradley as when he was the Jaguars coach, cause he kind of did the same thing. Uh, it was just horrible to watch. So while McCarthy is not the greatest coach in the league, I think he's better than uh, Jason Garrett. And I think that'll be enough of a difference to push them over the edge of the Eagles this year. I do worry about the Eagles with their, a lot of their injuries they've got going on, especially on the offensive line. I am worried about that for them, especially with uh, Carson Wentz having a bit of an injury history himself. Um, I do worry about that for them. Now, if everyone stays healthy, I think the Eagles have a great chance. So I am in agreement with Sean that I think this division is a bit of a toss up, but I do give the Cowboys the edge at number one uh, with the Eagles finishing second. So Zach, I know like I disagreed with Sean there. So where where do you stand with the yeah, rankings here? I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a broken record and I'm gonna echo your your picks, Eric. I've got the same order that you do, and I'll just spend my time talking about the the real competitive uh matchups that matter with the Cowboys and Eagles. I've got the Cowboys win the the division for basically all the reasons Eric pointed out and one, it's not really a logical reason, but something odd about this division is how long it's been since they've had a repeat champion. That's always in the back of my head because I picked the Eagles to win this division last year, and that was one of the things. I was like, the Cowboys won it last year, so it's the Eagles' year now. And since the Eagles <laughs> won last year, now it's the Cowboys' turn. So I don't I don't know if that, that will be snapped this year. You know, obviously shouldn't have anything to do with how it turns out. But uh, I, I do believe in Dak. I think he's a better quarterback than people give him credit for. And just the sheer amount of weapons that he's got. Um, the the thing, too, that really um, decided it for me was 
Dak coming back to the team. He's not holding out or anything because during a lot of the offseason, I actually had the Eagles in first because if Dak was going to hold out and they were going to start Andy Dalton or if Dak was going to come back like a day before the season started, I would have picked the Eagles. But the fact that he did return to the team and signed the franchise tag gave me the confidence to pick the Cowboys above the Eagles. But with that being said, I mean, it's probably a one-game Probably going to be between them. I don't know when they play in late in the year like they did last year, but that will probably decide it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see how that turns out. But Eric said that, you know, the Cowboys were a second favorite team, but I'm always going to be going for the Eagles. Sorry, Cowboys fans, but I'm not a fan. So fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why did you say that, man? I know, I know. <laughs> and, and to be to be fair, I don't. Like I don't disagree with with some of your guys' yeah. reasons, and again, I I think that you know the the bottom two and the top two in the division are so easily flip floppable. Uh, it's really just going to I think hinge less on, or at least for the for winning the division, I think it hinges less on how the Eagles do and more how the Cowboys do defensively. Uh, if they get behind in some of these some of these games, I mm-hmm. don't. You know, like uh, they're going to have to rely on their offense to bail them out, I think, in a lot of situations next year uh, and in ways that they haven't really seen. I, I think that Cowboys fans haven't seen in a while. They haven't had a defense to suspect in a long time. So, well, we'll see. Yeah, that's that's the fun thing about the NFL is you never know what will happen. Uh, so, Sean, thank you for being on the show, man. It was great to talk with you. Great insight from the eagles perspective and for the other divisional teams too great episode man yeah thanks for having me on guys no yeah, problem man, i enjoyed it nice and that's this one my first time talking with sean so sean it was uh it was nice to officially meet you man yeah you as well yep. it's, been, uh, it's been it's been good <laughs> all right guys well that's gonna wrap it up for this episode hopefully you guys enjoyed we'll be back with you again next week and remember be clutch peace